Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 and good morning i'm gary randall thank you so much for joining me today it's wednesday october the 6th 2021 in the year of our lord today on october 6 2014 the supreme court unexpectedly cleared the way for a dramatic expansion of so-called gay marriage in the united states it rejected appeals from five states seeking to preserve their bans effectively making such marriages legal, so-called marriages, legal in 30 states. Today in 1683, 13 families from Krefeld, Germany, they arrived in Philadelphia to begin Germantown as one of America's oldest settlements. Today in 1927, the era of talking pictures arrived with the opening of the Jazz Singer starring Al Jolson, a free containing uh, feature containing both silent and sound-synchronized sequences. Today, in 1939, a speech in, to the Reichstag, German Chancellor Adolf Hitler, he spoke of his plans to reorder the ethnic layout of Europe. In his speech, he laid out his plan, which included it would entail settling his, these are his words, the Jewish problem. Today, in 1973, war erupted in the Middle East. Egypt and Syria launched a surprise attack on Israel during Yom Kippur. Israel initially were caught, was caught off guard. They managed to push back the Arab forces. Again, a ceasefire took place about three weeks later. Probably you remember that. It burst in onto the scene of world news, and it dominated world news for a number of days. I remember that well. Everyone was speculating on what that might mean. Is this the end? And so on. Today, in 1976, President Gerald Ford, in his second presidential debate with Democrat Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford claimed that there was, quote, no Soviet domination of Eastern Europe. Everybody was a little bit shocked by that. A man who would be president of the United States should have known that that was not the case. Ford later conceded that he was wrong. Today in 2010, social networking app Instagram, it was launched by Kevin Seistrom and Mike Krager 11 years ago. Instagram, Instagram. Today in 2018, in a narrowest Senate confirmation of a Supreme Court justice in nearly a century and a half, Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed by a 50 to 48 vote. Much is happening in our world today, as it is every day nowadays. It seems like everything is being challenged. Everything is under pressure, whether it is for good or for evil. There's a lot going on in our world today, and our the very values upon which our country was founded are being challenged in ways that we have not seen in our lifetime, perhaps ever, in the life of this nation. This is a time when we've got to look at what's going on around us. We can't hide. God does not want his people to be to go into a cave, an intellectual or 
emotional cave somewhere and just shut out the world because we are the salt and the light in this world. Jesus told us that was our mission. And if we're going to be an influence in our culture in any way, we cannot be an influence if we're not aware or informed as to what's going on in our culture. And that's why we do what we do every day to the best of our ability on this program is to keep you up to date on what's going on and do all from a biblical perspective. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 40, verse 2, a verse that I often think of or remind myself of when we're going through some difficult times, whatever they may be. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. We must never forget how that God reached out to us, sinners, saved, unable to help ourselves, and saved us and forgave us through the death and resurrection and our acceptance of his son, Jesus Christ. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. That's the most important thing I have to say today, but I do have more to say. That is the word of the Lord. With more than a few allusions to our 40th president and some of his famous lines, former South Carolina governor and ambassador Nikki Haley she spoke last night in Simi Valley, California at the Reagan Library. It was an outstanding speech. I want to mention some of the things she said. In fact, it was a powerful speech. The America that Ronald Reagan took over from President Carter, she said, is not entirely dissimilar from the American conservatives that we now find ourselves in under President Biden. Growing inflation, runaway federal and spending debt, rampant crime in our cities, leftists, radical leftists running our universities, radical Islamists holding Americans hostage, an evil communist empire aggressively spreading its influence in the world. Those were some of the concerns that she outlined. Haley is a former governor, as you may know, of South Carolina. She was also under the Trump administration, our ambassador to the United Nations. She is a powerful woman. She is direct. She's very conservative. In fact, she says she will probably run for president if President Trump does not run for a, another term as president. She said if he runs, she'll support him. If he doesn't, she'll strongly consider running for president. She would be qualified. Drawing on her experience as the United States ambassador to the United, United Nations under President Trump, she explained that rather than one evil empire that Reagan faced in the USSR, we now face a number of evil actors. She said the Islamic terrorists, Iran, Russia, communist China, they all want to harm America. Well, we all know that, I think. She said they all want to drive freedom from the earth. They are all increasingly have the capacity and the will to attempt to do it. She said our enemies are not just people with a different view about how best to govern. She said directly, they are barbaric, 
The increased will of these barbarians to harm America at home and, and abroad deal blows to freedom all around the world, she said. She talked about the disastrous and the deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. Everybody's talking about that around the world. She addressed it head on. She said the fall of Saigon and Iran, uh, Iran hostage crisis rolled into one, gave the world its cue. She said that their time is to, time to wait was over. The fall of Afghanistan has everyone thinking America, America's era has ended and theirs has arrived, she said. Everyone saw that coming except the president. She, promised, she said he's the one that was promising it would never happen and everybody knew it was going to happen, but he didn't. She said the consequences of this failure are echoing across the world. Now there are not one, but two radical Islamic regimes in the world, Afghanistan and Iran. And she noted, she said, quote, you can bet they will push their advantages because Joe Biden has proven he will fold. She said Joe Biden has done more to improve Russia's economic and strategic standing than Trump ever did. Yet Trump was the guy that was supposed to be colluding with them. That's true. She also said every day more people think living in the land of the free is a curse, not a blessing. Unfortunately, that too may be true. She said you hear it on the news, you read it in social media, in school curricula. She said you see it in rage and riots on our streets. She said we need to recapture the patriotism that Ronald Reagan advocated. She said the American doubters are more powerful than ever. The problem runs deeper than being woke. It's bigger than critical race theory. Those things are dangerous, she explained, but the greater danger is that anger toward America is now the bedrock belief of the American left. And she points out that President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris routinely accuse America of systemic racism. And they do. There's no argument with that. She said Democrats across the board now see America's flaws as more profound than its strengths. They deny the massive progress we've made and they punish anyone who disagrees. They are quick to praise those who attack America and eager to attack those who praise America. Toward the end of her speech, she said this, The sooner we lead a new awakening of patriotism, the quicker we'll stop the decaying belief that our country is systemically racist. The sooner we rekindle faith in our first principles, the faster we'll make even more progress toward justice for all. Most of all, by restoring belief in the goodness of our national cause, we'll prepare the country to beat the challenges of the 21st century. But she said only a confident and proud America can win the clash of civilizations. She said our challenges are steep, but they are not too steep to overcome so long as we believe in America and fight for America and believe in our founding principles. Interesting comments. You would not expect those, perhaps, from someone who has not been in the public eye as much as some of the others, but she seems to speak with great authority, and she's powerful. As I said, she'll probably run for president. There are a number of Republicans that are considering that right now. As you know, Ron DeSantis is one of them, I think, I think the governor of Texas is probably considering it as well. Uh, we'll see how that all shakes out. But she has said publicly that if, as I said, she, if Trump runs, she said, I'm going to support Trump. If he doesn't, I will consider, strongly consider running 
for president. So you can weave that into what she said last night in Simi Valley at the Reagan Library. But I thought it was very good and wanted to share that with you because I want to um, I want to talk to you a little bit today about a very sensitive subject. I want to talk about religion in our country in particular, more so than in the world. I want to talk to you a little bit about Jews and Christians and why, how can they get to the point where they vote for Democrats? And this is not political. I, I mean, if you're jumping to that conclusion, just either turn off the radio or don't listen, because this isn't a political talk. I'm talking about spirituality. I'm talking about fundamental beliefs. I'm talking about a worldview that we hold. How do people who claim to be Christian or claim to be Jewish or are Jewish, how do they vote for the kind of policies and the kind of rhetoric and the kind of idiocy that we see coming from the left? And the left is pretty much defined as the Democrat Party. How did they do that? How did they get to that point? Interesting situation played out the other day. We don't see much of Kamala Harris because she has tanked in the ratings. Nobody nobody thinks she's doing a good job. Nobody, I mean, her, her negatives are so bad, they keep her out of sight. Really, they do. They just kind of keep her out on the fringe. They send her to Vietnam or Saigon or wherever she went recently. And they just keep her out of the news, away from the cameras, because she's a train wreck. Everybody knew that. In the primary, her own party didn't vote for her. She was out of the primary race before they even got to California, where she's from. Why they chose her as a vice president, I don't know, but they did. Anyway, a college student was speaking to the vice president of the United States just a few days ago, a Democrat, condemned America for supporting Israel, this kid. He was, support, he was condemning America for supporting Israel and charged that Israel with commit, was committing ethnic genocide against the Palestinians. Now, that's uh, something that's said often. It's a, you know, it's a lie, but it's often said they're accused. Israel's often accused of that. But the response by our vice president, Kamala Harris, I think it needs to be highlighted. And some are. I'm not the only one talking about it. But Kamala Harris, whose Protestant pastor has affirmed that she is deeply spiritual, faithful, enlightened, committed, responsible. I mean, all of these words have been used to, to define her spirituality and her Christianity. She responded to this kid with these words, and these are her words, exact, verbatim. Your voice, your perspective, your experience, your truth cannot be suppressed and it must be heard. She said that because she agrees with this kid, this college kid. Your truth? The so-called Christian left echo many of the same false statements as they explain how they too can claim on one hand to be a biblical Christian and vote for leaders who stand and take action against the very Judeo-Christian values and principles they claim to believe in. And some of them are my friends, people I have known over the years, have all of a sudden become a leftist. They say, well, the Republicans, you know, they're, they're just, they're Donald Trump or whatever. How do they do that? And how do Jewish people who claim to be true to their beliefs, the Hebrew traditions, 
How do they do that? Well, I'm not the only one that's asking that, and I'm not the only one that noticed what Kamala Harris said to this college kid the other day about Judaism in America. Dennis Prager, himself a Jew, he caught this as well. He noticed that the vice president's response, he took considerable issue with it, as any Jew should have, because it's a lie. It's not a truth, or this kid's truth. It may be what he thinks is truth, but his truth is a lie. Prager writes this, after he heard this piece of this same conversation that I heard and kind of picked up on. Prager said, quote, it was indeed the student's truth, which means it was a lie. Your truth always means a lie. When a person says something that is true, people don't say, that's your truth. They say, that's true. <laughs> and that is true. He's right. Prager explains that groups who are victims of genocide decrease in number. Then he notes a whole bunch of stats in this thing that he wrote in response to this. A whole bunch of stats about how the Palestinians are growing in number significantly. And if there's genocide being you know, done against a, a nation, their numbers decline. They don't increase. So he makes a big point out of that. He says, most American Jews loathed Trump, despite the fact that he was the most pro-Israel president since Harry Truman, that his daughter and grandchildren are religious Jews, and he engineered the Abraham Accords, a peace agreement between the United Arab Emirates and Behran and Israel, which was followed by normalization of relations between Sudan and Israel and between Morocco and Israel. Most American Jews, Prager says, identify Republicans with the right, and they assume the right means fascist or even Nazi. And Brinker said this. I was interested in his article, and I think he probably better speaks on this subject than anyone could. I, out here, a mere Gentile, I, what do I know about? No. But anyway, he says, quote, most American Jews have signed on to just about every secular substitute for Judeo-Christian religions. Feminism, environmentalism, anti-racism, humanism, socialism. Jews, I'm quoting Prager, Jews, I have often noted, may well be the most religious people in the world, but for the great majority of them, Judaism is not their religion. The Democrat Party is the party of all these secular religions. He continued, he said, America, I'm quoting him, America has been the best country Jews have ever lived in outside of Israel. That's why a Jew wrote, God bless America. He did. Prager says, yet something happened to American Jews after World War II. They veered more and more left, becoming able to support America-hating movements like the Black Panthers, for whom Leonard Bernstein and other prominent Jews in music and Broadway threw an infamous fundraiser. I remember that well. I was paying attention back in those days as a young man developing my, my views. Why did this happen, he says? Because Jews became less and less committed to Judaism, substituted the New York Times for the Torah, and went to college in greater proportions than any other ethnic or religious group in America. And, Prager says, colleges corrupt most students' values. Jews are no exception. That helps explain why a Democrat vice president could praise a student who just told her that Israel commits ethnic genocide and have it mean nothing to most American Jews, he says. In reading Prager's article, I was struck by the similarity between what he describes as American Jews and what 
we call the Christian left. The Jews are not the only group that have strayed from their beliefs and been corrupted by the world. Hypocrisy also exists in the Christian church. Oh yes, we by nature are sinful, so all of us have a thread of hypocrisy in our lives, I suppose, because God saved us from sin. But we are not yet perfected, at least I'm not. I suppose there are some listening today who may consider themselves perfected, but I think most of us would conclude we're not, but we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Earlier this year, Politico published a featured article. It was long. and I mean, it's lengthy. I'm not even going to attempt to tell you everything that's in it. But the essence of it is, the title of it was, You Need to Take the Religious Left Seriously This Time. And the essence of it is that they, the religious left has made several moves over the last few years trying to dominate the culture with their views, which are secularist and kind of humanist-type views that are integrated with other worldviews and even other religions of the world, while they themselves, Joe Biden is an outstanding example of that, so is Kamala Harris, while they themselves claim to be devout Christians. Politico explains that now, that unto, to, to now, Christianity has been pretty much defined by evangelicals or the Christian right. It doesn't take long to figure out that they're not big fans of evangelicals and the Christian right. In the article, they say, but now America's religious left is showing something genuinely different. Places of worship are participating in demonstrations for civil rights larger than any protest movement in American history. I really question that. I mean, political is a big deal. I'm sure they did their homework, but I don't know if the leftist churches, the Episcopal and all those guys, I'm not so sure that they're, they're doing larger demonstrations for civil rights than any protest movement in America. I mean, have they recently taken a look at some of the pictures from the March for Life and some of those? But anyway, that's not my point. I, don't, I think they're wrong on that. That's my point. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is that they are corrupting the culture under the name of religion, in this case, Christianity. The entire article is based on an interview with his Dr. Serene Jones. She's the president of Union Theological Seminary in New York. She has cut ties with not only other seminaries, but she's cut ties with his Union Seminary, with the Bible, and with God himself. Over the years, Jones has led the seminary to deny every tenet of biblical Christian faith, from the deity of Christ himself, to the resurrection, to the Trinity, to the infallibility of Scripture, to original sin— Completely. She's into universal salvation. The whole thing. So now they quote her as the, the gold standard for Christianity. Jones says she's very proud of, Re- of Reverend uh, Raphael Warnack. Remember him? I talked about him when he was elected. He was the pastor. I don't. He probably isn't now. I mean, I would assume he's not now. But anyway, he was the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. That's the same church that Martin Luther King Jr.'s father was the pastor, and Martin Luther King Jr. often preached there. I don't know if he had the the position or the title of pastor, but he was pre- he preached there a lot uh, during his days. But this guy, this Warnock, was pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church until he was elected to office just recently. And I don't have time to talk about what he believes, but he is way out there on the left. It's just stunning to me. 
I think I made the statement when I was talking about it this past year when he was elected. I, I can't believe that Martin Luther King would be pleased with that, junior or senior. I mean, I just can't see how they would. This guy is way out there. I mean, he's in, in kind of la-la land. But even more profound than that is if you look at the religious left website themselves and see how they see themselves. When you go to their website, it, I wrote an article on this today at faithandfreedom.us, and I put a link to their website. The site opens up with, I'm quoting, Welcome. Are you a Christian and a liberal? We've been searching for you for 10 years. Welcome home. You've found your tribe. Conservative Christians are wrong, and you've been right about Jesus all along. In 2015, Chelson Vicari wrote a book titled Distortion, How the New Christian Left is Twisting the Gospel and Damaging the Faith. I read that book back then. It's very good. It's still available on Amazon. But in the book, Vicari warns that if American evangelicals disengage from the public square and also fail to keep watch at the doors of their own sanctuaries, we risk losing our voice for truth, God's truth, not our truth, and then we risk losing our religious freedoms. That was six years ago. Vicari said this, Some professing evangelicals are working to change minds when it comes to same-sex marriage, religious liberty, big government, and even the sanctity of life. Their success has been modest by, but noticeable in some evangelical churches, campus ministries, and even Christian universities. I'm quoting Vicari. The Christian left is trying to creep in, quietly championing a distorted version of the gospel more consistent with political liberalism than biblical teaching. The Christian left heralds its political agenda by undermining the authority of the Bible. Once... Once the lines of truth are blurred, confused young evangelicals start trying to reconcile their faith with same-sex marriage, taxpayer-funded abortions, abortions in general, anti-Israel sentiments, feminism, pacifism, the nanny state. They make a good point. The point is that that's exactly what happens. These kids grow up in a church or they, they are in a church. They're maybe saved except Christ. They don't really know the Bible, but they know what they've heard. They go to university and they're hit right in the face with, hey, this is God's truth out here. And you've got to conform your beliefs to the culture. And they allow the culture to conform them to the ungodly, demonic in some cases, beliefs in the culture, rather than they becoming a force in the culture, engaged in the culture, and presenting the righteousness of God and God's word. That's where we are today. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are not allowing God to renew our minds. We're allowing the, the likes of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Warnock and Jim Wallace and all of these guys on the left to shape our mind and conform our mind to what they say is how we should be in such a world as we live in. We should be underscoring. We should be confirming all of this ungodliness that's going on in our culture. That's where we are today. So I ask myself, and I'll leave you with this question, how do... How do people who claim to be Christians buy into this stuff? I haven't quite figured it out. But they're in deception, and they're living in an unreal world. 
Thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure, and we'll continue this conversation tomorrow, the Lord willing, and we plan to. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009.